Welcome to Behind the Bedroom Door with Sarah. I'm Sarah Watson, your host, licensed professional counselor, certified sex therapist, and sex educator, lover of chocolate, coffee, and Lake Michigan sunsets. I'm a wife to a wonderful partner, a mama to an amazing little person, an entrepreneur, a friend, and the person you can count on to have a sample of lube in her bag for you just in case you need it. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back. Today we're talking about sex 101. So what is sex? Seems like a silly question, I know. But people define sex in so many ways. Some people believe it counts only if it's a penis and vagina, but we know that this isn't true for everybody because everyone doesn't have a penis and everyone doesn't have a vagina. There are lots of ideas about what sex can be. So how do I define that? One, I would say, hmm, oral sex can count, right? So we're doing mouth genital contact, vaginal sex, penis and vagina, that counts. Penis and anus counts, dry humping, genital rubbing, fingering or hand jobs, hand to genital contact, solo sex, and also known as masturbation. Most experts like me believe sex can be all or any of those things that we just talked about. That may be a little bit different than how you grew up and what the information you got when you were little to define sex, but let's remember that our society places a lot of value on heteronormative ideas about sex and intimacy. And here at Behind the Bedroom Door, we're not going down that path. We want to be inclusive of how we talk about sex and relationships all the time. So sex is different for everybody. So when I use that word when we're talking, just remember it's not just penis and vagina. It can be any of those things we talked about and more. So part of sex is intimacy. Most of the time, you know, every once in a while, if you have a one night stand or a different type of encounter that you're not used to, there might not be some intimacy there, but one would hope. How we define intimacy is being close with our partner, being vulnerable, accepting them, emotional support, and more. So often when I am sitting around, I cannot tell you how often this happens. I can be at dinner with a new group of friends. I can be meeting up other clinicians, other therapists, definitely other moms, where everyone's like, oh, so what's, uh, you're a sex therapist, what's the deal? How can you make you know, my sex life better in a really quick way? And I always take a deep breath and say, I love that question, thanks for asking, but there is no easy way or fast tips or tricks to create a incredible sex life. It takes a lot of work. So let's talk about work that you need to put into it. One is that communication is key. So one of my colleagues came up with a beautiful equation to think about and to remember when you're thinking about enhancing your relationship. And it comes from the work of Emily Nagowski, who you'll hear me talk all about because one, I'm obsessed, she's amazing. And she's written several books about sexual health and they are just the end all be all right now and I just cannot get enough. But through Emily's research, she came up with defining that if we have low stress, which if you're a parent, 
or an entrepreneur or just a working person with family and obligations like most of us are, this is going to be a little difficult to work on. But the equation goes low stress, high connection to yourself and to your partner, and a little bit of eroticism. And then that is going to help you create this amazing sexual relationship. So let's break that down a little bit. Let's talk about communication. My question for you is to think about what are your barriers to communication? When we when I say communication, I'm not just talking about the regular day-to-day operation of your family or your couple, but what stops you from sharing deeper thoughts and feelings with them? Take a second, think about that. So, when was the last time you and your partner discussed sex outside of the bedroom? One question to think about. I always talk about this when I'm with clients as well, is that it's really important to have conversations about sexual health outside of the bedroom. So it's not just this thing that you do in the bedroom or whatever space that you like to have sex in. I also like the idea of going on a walk or sitting next to each other if you have a back porch, having a glass of wine or a yummy sparkling water or whatever floats your boat and just talking about how you think your sexual relationship is going. To add on to that, does your partner know what you really like? Do you know what you really like? What about what you don't like? Are there hard no's for you on what you don't like and does your partner know them? Are you willing to explore any of your yes and your no's? And then what questions does your partner have for you and you for them? Always coming back to being curious about what's going on with our partners. It's always going to be helpful. Okay, so we talked about communication, gave you some questions and thoughts to think about. I think the other thing that we need to talk about is just how our bodies work. Emily Nagowski, as I mentioned before, has done a lot of research on our brain and why we respond that the, the way that we do to each other and to eroticism and arousal. And one thing to think about is that we have nervous systems in our body. We have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system you want to think of as your accelerator. Things that make you excited, things that bring on arousal, things that make you curious about going a little bit further with your partner that maybe you haven't done before. I want you to think of your parasympathetic nervous system as the brakes. Things that happen that stop you in your tracks, that get you out of that train of thought and idea that you can be erotic and in this particular moment. One thing that can happen for me when I am getting ready to uh, engage in any kind of like sensual contact with my partner, if we're in our bed and sometimes the blanket can hit me wrong on the foot and it seems so silly, but if I feel like my foot or my body is just trapped, I can't do it and it just turns off and I can't do it and sometimes I can get back into it and sometimes I can't. So taking a breath, letting them know what's going on, but tuning into the fact that we have an accelerator and we have a break and this is the part of our brain system that coordinates sex. So if you wanna hear more about that, Go Get Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski, but there are reasons why you want to and when you don't want to, and I, I'm sure most of us have been in the moment where things just turn off and we're like, what the hell just happened? 
your parasympathetic nervous system took over. Okay, so your accelerator is something to think about. So when you hear things, you see things, you smell, touch, taste, or imagine, it sends signals to your genitals to be like, hey, it's time to go, let's get going. So everything can impact. It's not just this fact that your partner's coming up to you and talking about sex, but everything around you. So you wanna think of your bedroom or wherever you're having sex, because I think you can have sex anywhere, but if you're typically having sex in a bedroom, like what about that environment really makes it easy for you to connect, both of you to connect to your erotic selves. So think about that, have a conversation about that. Okay, so let's talk about your sexual break, right? So this does not mean that you're being shy or something like that, it just notices, your your brain notices, you know, in air quotes, potential threats to turning you off. So some of those things can be like I was discussing my break and how that can be. That goes back to a different experience that I had that did not make me feel safe. So we have an exciter system and we have an inhibition system. So your exciter talks about and kind of lets you understand what you hear, you see, you smell, you touch, your taste, or your imagination, and it sends their signals from your brain to your genitals to be like, hey, it's time to go, like this is really safe, it feels good, everything feels lovely and warm and ready to go. So I really encourage you to think about and talk to your partner about what's going on in the place that you generally have sex, I often have sex in my bedroom and we think about how do I want the bed to feel? How do I want our room to smell? What do I want to be seeing? Do I need candlelight? What's going on? Looking at your surroundings and talking to your partner about what's going on and what is erotic or at least gets you in the place to think about it and then also asking them what they think about it, right? So being in touch, if you live together, what's going on in your environment that can be really helpful for you both so that you can see what happens, right? Okay, but then we have this inhibition system, which is your sexual break, right? So it's your neurological signals that say, no, we're off, you could be in danger. So it could be something really serious about, it could be something like STI transmissions, it could be unwanted pregnancy, it can be social consequences. It prevents us from getting appropriately aroused, right? And it also, your inhibition system, also prevents you from getting inappropriately aroused in a business meeting or a dinner or whatever. It really sends these signals like, no, this is not the time to be aroused. This isn't right. And kind of just keeps you safe. So lots of things. Often I hear from clients and friends for female body people who are on some type of birth control, then that can kind of lessen that. But if they're not, Sometimes when they get in their heads too much about, okay, well, if we're using a condom, if they're having partnered sex with someone with a penis, that, you know, that's a risk that you take that the condom may not always be efficient. And so then we talk about birth control and kind of that. So you want to think about what inhibits you from really getting those special neurological on signals. So thinking about that, and if you discover things that kind of are consistent for you to share this with your partner so that you can all address those and make sure that that doesn't happen often, or if it is, then maybe talking to someone else about it. So again, you can take this 
information. And there is a quiz in Emily Nagowski's book that tells you where you lie in your sexual temperament. It's amazing. Super, super helpful. Okay. So arousal is really the two processes of activating the accelerator and deactivating the brakes. So women, female body people, tend to often say that to be aroused, certain things must be happening and must be done in their surroundings for them to have the ability to get into that space. Often I have people in long-term partnerships need certain things to be done before they can go and rest and let alone be erotic with their partner. So thinking about that, like what, what do you need to have done in your house? What do you need to feel like in your body? What do you need from your partner? And vice versa, asking them, what is going on? Context. Context, context, context. If there's anything you take from today, I would say that this is most important, is that context is a circumstance of the present moment in your brain state at the same time, right? So if there's anything you can take with you from this episode, I want you to understand context. Context is a circumstance of the present moment and where your brain is. So context changes how our brain responds to sex. It can activate your curious desire approach to sex, right? So what is happening around you? What's happening within you? What is going on inside where you're going to be with your partner? So everything that we think about in regards to sexual health has to do with context. So let me give you an example. Oftentimes, we talk about when there are optimal times for us to have sex with our partner. Some people wake up really in the morning, early, really early in the morning, and decide that that is the right time for them. And it's actually not a decision. It's just what works well for them and their body. So that 5 a.m. wake up before you go to work and you have sex works for some people. I know you're like, what? 5 a.m.? But yes, some people do. Often, I get the feedback from others that context and like optimal time to have partnered sex is is not great. Often it's in the afternoon or during work or maybe at lunchtime when we're not tired. And so it's really looking at what's going on. When do you feel most excited to have sex, most relaxed, most open to that? And try to identify that. It might take you a while. It might, you know, take a great month or six weeks of just kind of writing down when you feel like making a little tracker and writing down when you feel most aroused and available for your partner and then share that. Not every single partnership has the same view of optimal times and or context uh, for sexual interaction. So thinking about that. And then how does that impact your relationship? If the context isn't happening and you aren't on the same page, what can you do about that? Okay, so sexual arousal, desire, and orgasm change all of the time. When sex doesn't feel great, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Maybe there's been too much external or other motivational systems influencing your response. But one thing to also take away from that is that pain shouldn't be happening during sex. Sex should not be painful. 
side note, unless that's what you're looking for. If you're looking for it to be painful and you're asking your partner to engage in a pain play, then that's wonderful and amazing, good for you all. But if you're not looking for that and sex is painful, specifically anywhere on your genitals, I want you to stop, identify it, try to figure out what's going on and talk to a medical provider because we don't want it to be painful. Okay, so a few suggestions, I I should say, is if you're not listening to this episode with your partner, share what you learned with your partner today. Ask questions. Be curious. I would also say schedule time to talk about sex with your partner at least once a week or just check in. And it doesn't actually have to be just about your sexual relationship, but it can be about what's going on with your intimacy and your closeness and how you two could improve and or modify uh, your relationship and friends relationships are hard and if you're not in a relationship you've kind of gotten a little bit of a 101 on sexual health and just things to think about as an individual if you were in a relationship it takes work if you look at other couples around you and they make it seem easy You have to look behind the curtain and think that there's so much else going on and that it takes a lot of work, a lot of conversation and a lot of curiosity. And I would also say, you know, if you are in a partnership, thinking about what intimacy you want to experience together, what type of closeness, and that could be something as simple as how many times you want to have sex a month. It could also be what experiences you want to have, whether that's sexual or adventurous experiences, like what type of vacation you want to have. It can be anything. So intimacy is just closeness. So thinking about that closeness and how you can make your relationship work in the most meaningful way for both of you. Okay, so a few reminders on what intimacy can be like is that it doesn't have to include penetration of any kind. So when I talk about penetration, I also don't mean just a penis. It can be penetration of fingers or toys or anything else that you've consented to. It doesn't have to mean that. It can be outer course. It can be just rubbing with each other. So just know that there's lots of different ways to define sex. Okay, so intimacy, right, we're talking about other ways you can do that is I think what else is really important is to set realistic expectations for yourself and share that with your partner. If you are in the throes of raising children, you're not sleeping, maybe you are breastfeeding one of those kids and you are purely exhausted, the expectation to have sex multiple times a week is probably not realistic for most people. If it is for you, again, wonderful, congratulations, enjoy that. But I would be really honest with your partner and yourself first and foremost about how much energy can you provide to yourself as a sexual being and to your partner as that sexual being. And sometimes that is just gonna be a little less than desired and you just have to talk about that with your partner. I would also encourage you to explore other ways that make you feel close to your partner. What else can you do? I recently, finally, after being home for 16 months with my partner, we finally went out on a date and had dinner without our kid. And it was just so, so helpful. And we were able to talk about other things other than what was happening at the dinner table and making it through 
the next 15 minutes because then we were moving on to something else. We got to linger. We got to chat about what's going on and our goals for the next year and thinking about what we want to accomplish as a team. So what ways make you feel close? For me, seems basic right now, but it was just that date night and just having conversation. Also, don't try to force intimacy. You can't be close with someone who's not available for you. So if you're feeling that distance, I would be more curious about the distance than anything else. Also, physical touch, non-sexual physical touch is going to bring you closer. And thinking about how that makes you feel and sharing that with your partner is something I highly, highly recommend. So that's a little bit of Sex 101, kind of a little bit of in and out all over. If you have questions, thoughts, please feel free to DM, reach out, and look forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Behind the Bedroom Door with Sarah or SWSX Therapy as well. You can also find me at simplesexeducation.com. There you can sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter where I send out information, thoughts, feelings about parenting, relationships, sexual health, and upcoming workshops or retreats. We'd also appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review. Two parting thoughts I hope you always take with you from our episodes. One, lubrication is your friend. Use it, love it, tell me all about it. And as Emily Nagowski says, pleasure is the measure. When you're thinking about all your encounters with your partner or anything outside of that, let's look for pleasure in every day.